0: Here's Pastor Scott. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 39, the Bible says this, but we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. Listen to that again. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. I'm going to talk to you tonight from a Bible study titled, We Don't Quit. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for each person who's come out. And God, I pray you'd speak to us tonight, be our teacher. Lord, for our teenagers, for our children who are in the other buildings, God, I pray that you would show them your love tonight. Anoint our workers to represent you to them, God. I pray that you'd strengthen my back now and allow me the ability to concentrate on what you'd have me to say. Speak to us. From your word, by your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I really wanted these verses to be on the screen because in Wednesday night Bible study, my whole goal is to put the verses on the screen, to take it phrase by phrase, and show you how to absorb what the Bible says. I want you to be an expert at studying the Bible. I want you to be proficient at reading the Bible and being able to get something from it. I've heard people tell me for 35 years, Pastor, I don't don't get out of it when I read it. I don't feel like I really understand it the way I understand it when you talk about it. If you would just take it the way I tell you to take it, you'd realize I'm starting to learn things about the Bible. So if you have your Bible, follow along. I'll be more redundant tonight for those that don't have their Bible so we can try to get some of this. Hebrews 10, 39. It's a lot of talk. So far, uh, prior to this verse about suffering and what's going on in the first century church, and there was a lot of adversity, and there was a lot of persecution of Christians, and I'm going to read verse, I'm going to catch you up to verse 39 by starting in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 32 says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. That is great advice. If that was on the screen, you would see the last word had a period behind it. You want to pause on punctuation. If you will stop between every punctuation in the Bible and realize, okay, there's something in there for me to get, what can I get from that? It says, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. As you read the Bible, there are certain things you should be looking for. You should be looking for commands, you should be looking for promises. You should be looking for questions that you have that you don't understand. So if we're looking at verse 32 and we're trying to find a command or a question, I'll read it to you again since it's not on the screen. You tell me if this is a, would this fit more into the command side of our study journal or a question? Think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. That's a command. God is saying, think back on those early days when you first learned about Christ. Do you realize that if Christians did that more often, there'd be more joy in the average Christian? If Christians did that more often, they'd be more thankful for their salvation. If Christians did that more... See, the whole point of this teaching tonight and this passage of Scripture is to get us to a place where we realize that those who are true Christians are not quitters. Those who are really in this thing to win this thing do not leave this thing because a lot of people were leaving the church. A lot of people flooded into the church in the first century. I mean, a man rose from the dead named Jesus Christ. He showed himself alive to people uh, uh, over ten times. One time he appeared to a crowd of over 500 people. Now, you may have lived in a small town in your life where everyone knew everyone and everything traveled fast. This was a small town where everyone knew everyone and news traveled fast. And when someone who everyone just saw die w- was raised from the dead and was walking around talking with still nail prints in his hands and feet and a hole in his side and showing people these prints, this news traveled fast. And a lot of people were flocking into the church in the first century, but just as many as were coming in were going out. That's still the same way. As it is today and the way it's always been. People come in and people go out. But the word says, think back to those early days when you first learned about Christ. I want to tell you, if you're ever having a bad week, if you're ever having a bad day, if you're ever having a bad moment, think back to those early days when you first learned about Jesus. I have been having a season of bad days and bad weeks and bad months. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not ready to uh, change my name to Weezer from Fried Green Tomatoes. When Weezer said, I'm not depressed, I'm just in a really, I've just been in a really bad mood for the last 20 years. Um, there are things that the enemy wants to do to distract you. And each of us are prone to different types of distraction. I'm not a party guy. You can't distract me by trying to drag me out to clubs during the week. That's not my thing. It's not what I'm going to do. I'm not a drugs and alcohol guy. You, you're not going to, you know, get me turned up and crazy in the middle of the week and have me blow my testimony. Um, there, there. You have different things that you got weakness to. I've got different things that I've got weakness to. The the devil has been working on my emotions so much over the last few years um that since i got this latest news from the doctor about my back um and it being worse than it was before the surgery and needing to do this surgery thing all over again it's just been emotionally uh, upsetting to me and so the enemy has just been trying to pound on me a lot this week and and try try to keep me stuck in a in a in a funk you ever had one of those type of days weeks seasons in your life where it's just like you know what it just, it just, nothing seems to be working out, and I believe this is one of the reasons why God brought me to this passage, and so many times I found that as a pastor, that the things that I'm going through, because the scripture declares whatever you're going through, you have brothers and sisters all around the world going through the same thing you're going through, and I know that you, you may not be having as difficult a week emotionally, a difficult of month emotionally as I've been having. But may, maybe you've had times in your life where you've had to deal with things, and uh, I want you to pick something from tonight that can help give you strength for your journey. And I believe that this very first point, thinking back on those early days when you first learned about Christ, that right there is such good advice. I want you to live in that mind, that, that frame of mind, where you always remember what it felt like when you were a new Christian. See, here's what happens when people first get saved they're excited. They're pumped up. You don't have to call them and tell them I didn't see you in church. Now, one thing you'll never hear from anybody at Abundant Life, we don't have a a group of anybody, and nobody on this staff will ever call you and say, we we missed you in church Sunday. We didn't see you in church Sunday. I figure if you want to come, come. When I got saved, nobody had to tell me come to church on Sunday. I wanted to be in church. The Bible commanded me to be in church. And so we don't chase people that that don't show up. Come if you can. Pray for us if you can't. has always been my thing but when people first get saved man they're at church all the time they're excited they're happy because it's new it's fresh it's real to them but as life happens and they they grow and then it becomes old hat and then it's just church and then it's a burden then you get involved in a ministry and you you're just working all the time and serving and the joy is gone if you don't look back and remember how cool it was to realize that God loved you and you love him in those early days, then you can allow the enemy a stronghold in your life. See, a stronghold doesn't start off as a stronghold. A stronghold starts off as a foothold. he just get his toe in the door somewhere. Just get his toe in the door somewhere. Most people don't go from serving God and loving Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength to drinking four bottles of liquor every night. That's not how, it it, it starts slower than that. Most people don't go from loving God and loving their spouse to having 15 different people they're committing adultery with during the week. It it starts slower than that. The devil just tries to get his foot in the door, and once he gets his foot in the door, then he begins to get a stronger and a stronger hold on it. But if you will constantly remind yourself, I remember how much I loved him when I first got saved. And I remember how cool it was to know that, He loved me. Verse 32 goes on to say, remember how you remained faithful, even though it meant terrible suffering. Now, some things in the Bible apply specifically to certain groups of people. And some things in the Bible apply to everyone. Some things in the Bible apply to certain people and not others. Everything in the Bible is true, but everything in the Bible is not true for you or for me because we didn't really, most of us didn't go through terrible suffering when we first learned about Jesus. He's talking to this group of people in the first century, and they went through some really horrible things as Christians, and there was real persecution going on, and there were people being killed for their faith, and there were people being put in prison, and they were going through all types of hardship just for their faith. In verse 33, it says, Sometimes you were exposed to public ridicule and were beaten, comma, what if that was our plight? I mean, the average person falls apart if someone at church or, or at work or at school teases them about, oh, you know, oh y'all, y'all hush, here comes Miss Holy. And, and, and you feel like you're being you know, persecuted at work because they won't tell dirty jokes in front of you. You should be glad they're not telling dirty jokes in front of you and realize that's not persecution. You, 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 some of us feel like the world has turned against us if our friends don't want to hang out with us anymore because we do different things. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Sometimes you outgrow them, they outgrow you. you you got to hang out with those who are going in the direction you want to be going in. These first century Christians, they were being publicly mocked. They were being ridiculed. They were being beaten. It goes on to say, and sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. They had to be there for their brothers and sisters. They had to be there not just to see somebody on the side of the road struggling, maybe I'll stop and check on them, but could you imagine if every day they were dragging one or two of us out of our homes and beating us in the street and leaving us there? We'd have to be looking to see who's laying in the street bleeding and we'd be bandaging each other up during the week. That's what was going on in the first century church. They were going through some serious persecution. They were being beaten. Sometimes they were helping others who were suffering the beatings. Verse 34 said, You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail, and when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. Think if this was our plight. See, we think it's hard enough just to come to Wednesday night church and sit in an air-conditioned building on padded chairs. What if they were coming into our homes taking all our stuff, beating us, leaving us for dead in the street, We come home and all our stuff is gone. The scripture says they did that with joy because they knew that they were being persecuted for their faith and they were glad to stand up and represent for Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse 34, you knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Said they had joy when all their things were stolen from them, taken from them because of their faith. Because they knew that there were better things waiting for them on the other side. These are the things that we need to keep in the forefront of our mind. Remember what life was like in the early days of being a Christian. Remember when you really loved him. And remember whatever hardship you go through in this life, that you got better stuff waiting for you on the other side. I had one pastor who used to say, Don't grow your roots too deep on this side of eternity. And I want you to get that. We shouldn't be deeply rooted to this earth. We shouldn't be all in with this earth. It shouldn't be. uh, We're not going to be here forever, and we need to understand that. It's okay to have a nice home. It's okay to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have you. There's nothing wrong with with having a a great place to live. But you need to realize if they took your house from you, you've got a permanent residence in heaven that's going to last forever. If they took your clothes from you, if you went home. Now, I've lived through this. I had all my clothes stolen one time when my house was broken into. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. You really want to uh, compare sad stories, I can compare some sa- sad stories with you. I've got a newspaper where Gail and I were on the front page of the newspaper the week we got married. We were on the front page of the Florida Times Union. It said, newlyweds ransacked and ravaged. Before we had bought, a, when we were dating, we had bought two and a half acres of land out on the west side of Jacksonville. um, And we we had bought a brand-new double-wide trailer. We were going to pay for the land and then build a house on there. It's cool now because the guy that bought it from us built a beautiful house on it. But set this trailer up. We were away on our honeymoon, and we never slept in a trailer. We're coming back. They didn't have the power run to the trailer yet, so we couldn't move in when we came back from our honeymoon. So for about four days, we had to wait to move in. And I kept thinking in my mind, and I kept telling Gail's dad, you know, we probably ought to sleep out there in the dark with shotguns. Those those rednecks out there probably out there messing with our stuff. Because we had set everything up, moved all our furniture in, moved all of our clothing in, had over 200 wedding gifts still in the boxes, most of them unwrapped. And the day before they turned the electricity on, a group of people in three trucks, their testimony they gave to the police, they brought three pickup trucks and made seven trips, 21 pickup trucks, loads of stuff they took from us. All our clothes, all our furniture, TVs, video games, music, jewelry, baseball cards I'd been collecting my whole life, memorabilia, yearbooks. Pictures, everything, took. Um, that's a heck of a way to start off a marriage. And and then you're sleeping in a house, never slept in it before it was busted into and robbed. If you've ever had your house broken into, you know that feeling of being violated in your own home. Now we're now we're living in moving into a house that we already feel violated living in. I mean, we, we've got some sad stories that we can tell. I know what it feels like to have your clothes stolen and have to go out and buy all new clothes. Um, these people were going through that on a regular basis for their faith, though, and it says that they were doing it with joy because they realized that there were better things waiting for them on the other side. If you had all your clothes stolen, but you know that Jesus has a robe to put on you of righteousness when you get into heaven, you're going to be clothed in heaven. We've got to get away from being earthly minded and become more heavenly minded we've got to get away from looking at the temporary things and become more eternally focused because if you focus on this life i don't care how optimistic you are i don't care how positive you are if you focus on this life there are going to be things that depress you i don't know how people watch the news all the time i don't know how people follow politics closely all that stuff it would be enough to depress uh mr rogers i mean uh, the 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 dude that painted the pictures and was high all the time what was his name y'all remember the white guy with the afro y'all didn't grow up in jacksonville guy always painted Uh, let's just put a little bird right here well let's give him a friend and that dude y'all remember that dude he was so high but i mean if if he watched politics in the news i bet he'd even got depressed But if we realize that this earth is not all that there is for us, we have better on the other side, that this life is passing, that we are temporary citizens here, that whatever they can take from us here, we're going to have better in heaven that will last forever. Verse 35 in Hebrews 10 says, so do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord, period. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. This presupposes that the people he's talking to have confidence in the Lord, that they have a strong trust in God. And he's telling them not to throw it away. Now, why would God tell a bunch of confident Christians, don't throw away your trust in the Lord? Because it's easy to do. Because people are prone to do it. Because if you have too much adversity, if you have too much piled on you at once, if you go through too much and, and, and you focus on all the stuff in life that's not going the way you want it to go, then you can get to a place where you just want to throw in the towel even on your Christianity. And God's saying in verse 35, don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Then it goes on in the next phrase to say, remember the great reward it brings you. There's an old hymn that says, Have faith in God. He's on the throne. Have faith in God. He watches over his own. If you have faith in God and you never doubt that he's on the throne, and that's what I have to tell a lot of people who who struggled through this last election and other elections, uh, and somebody's always upset about any election, and I tell them all the time, it, it doesn't matter as much. It matters some, but it doesn't matter as much who's in the White House If you are comfortable with who you know is on the throne in heaven. And we know that God is on the throne in heaven. And the Bible is telling us to keep that confidence. And remember the great reward that confidence in the Lord brings you. Let me tell you what that is. Hope through adversity. Hope through adversity. When you go through adverse times, you should not Wonder why is this happening to me? The Bible says in First Peter not to consider it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You're supposed to go through stuff in life. The world's not against you. You're not special. There's there's no divine attack on you, and and your anointing. And I mean everybody goes through stuff. That's how life is. But when you go through stuff, if you will remember that God's on the throne, then it's going to give you hope even through your adversity. Verse 36 says, patient endurance is what you need now. Come. Patient endurance is what you need now. I told you some things are written to specific people that apply to them that doesn't apply to us. We are not being beaten, thrown out of our homes, and having everything we own stolen. But patient endurance is what we need now because we do suffer adversity. And how do you overcome adversity? You hold on to your trust in God. You stay confident that there's a heaven waiting on you. You stay confident that there are better things in heaven that will last forever, and this life is just temporary. And then God says, patient endurance is what you need now. Patient endurance, that's not how most people face adversity. Whining and moaning is how most people face adversity. I told you all, my kids, they just stumble over whatever movie they get and they play it in the Navigator wherever we go and they just work one movie for months until they can quote the whole movie and then they'll get on a different one and go through that. And so they've been working the original Karate Kid for a long time, the Ralph Macchio 80s version of the Karate Kid. And there is a great Christian line in the movie that is not a Christian movie, and they didn't write it to be a Christian line, but it would be great if Christians would take on what the Karate Kid says because at one point he's been beat up a bunch of times by the same group of kids, and the girl he's chasing, who he's getting beat up for chasing her, he should have figured that out, but he, she says uh, that he seems to be taking it good. And he says in this weird northern accent, what am I going to do? Moaning groan? Moaning groan. So my kids walk around saying, what am I going to do, Dad, moan and groan? Moan and groan. What am I going to do, moan and groan? It's a good question. And what he's saying, because he's from up north and they talk backwards, he's saying, I'm not going to moan and groan. I'm not going to complain about, what am I going to do, moan and groan? That's something that we need to adopt in our own lives, a mentality that says, I'm not going to moan and groan about it all the time. I'm going to realize that what I need right now is patient endurance. This is not always easy because we are predisposed. Everyone that's a human being is predisposed to moan and groan, whine and complain, some more than others, but everyone is capable of doing it and we need to hear the word of the Lord, patient endurance is what you need now. You can endure something easier if you know that it's only for a limited time. You guys have heard me talk about this before. This is why in the military you, you see the happy people. You can see the look on a soldier's face. You know he's a short timer. You know he got that short time mentality. You know he's under 100 days left. And he knows he's about to get out. Because when you know you're about to get out, nothing. it's like what off a of duck's back, right, Stacy? It's like, pfft, I can stand on my head and stack peas for the next 36 days. You got me for 18 more days because I got leave coming for 30. I'm checking out of here in about 11 days. Honestly, I might go ahead and get nine more days, and I'm going to take some personal, you know, and I'm done. You can endure stuff better. Stacy retired from from a government job. You you know the day that retirement is coming, and and you realize, okay, this is, I've been through so much. You were there for 28 years on the same job, been through a bunch, almost got killed in a beating in the jails. I mean, you work in a jail. You see a lot of stuff, right? Been through a lot. But when you got, like, three days left, (laughs) you're like, it's walking on air. I mean, what else, What are they gonna put you through? You've been there 28 years. What else are they gonna throw at you? We need to have some of that short-time mentality when it comes to the hardship we have now. It's like I tell parents with kids. Parents are like, I I don't I think I'm gonna kill this one before before she gets grown. I'm like, ah, she'll probably live through it. She'll be gone a few years, you, you know, and then you have your life back. It's just for a little bit of time. It's just for a limited amount of time. Now, me personally, I don't like any affliction. I don't. I just want smooth. I want everything to go the way I want it to go, and I don't want a hiccup. But that's not how life is, so we need to have patient endurance. It says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. I wish this was on the screen. Patient endurance is what you need now, so you will continue to do God's will. Well, let's dig into that sentence and agree with what's going to happen in our adversity if we don't patiently endure. We're not going to continue to do what? God's will. You will not continue to do God's will unless you patiently endure whatever it is you have in front of you. Realize patiently enduring it is not grinning and bearing it. Patiently enduring it is not gritting your teeth and moaning and groaning through it. Patiently enduring it is accepting it for what it is and realize there's a lesson to be learned and I'm going to hold on to God through these trials. Then to verse 36 says, Then you will receive all that he has promised. So you got to have this patient endurance so that you can keep doing God's will. Then, y'all ought to know the answer to this, when is then? Then is always after. Then, oh, I wish this was on the screen. Then you will receive all that he has promised. That's what we're in this deal for. We are not in Christianity to have bumper stickers on our car that say God loves you. We are not in Christianity just to be good people. We are not in Christianity, we're not giving up the stuff that we've given up and adding the stuff that we've added just for the heck of it. We are in this thing to get what he promised us, eternal life, paradise, and his love. And the Bible says that if we patiently endure, we keep doing God's will, then you will receive all that he has promised. So you're not going to receive all that God has promised you until you've endured some stuff. Patiently. Until you've been through some stuff. And kept doing God's will. You know what most people do? When when stuff gets hard, they start making bad decisions. And they fall out of church. They stop serving God. Now, if it gets bad enough and they fall out busted and they need rent. And then all of a sudden they want to come back and act like they're coming back to church. But don't let adversity push you further away from God. That's a punk move. And the Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small, a.k.a. you're a punk. If you faint in the day of adversity, you have tiny strength. No man wants to be a punk. No man wants to back down on the slightest challenge. A man wants to bow up and take stuff on head on. Well, I don't know how women think because I'm not one, and I'm thankful for that. But I know how a Christian thinks, and God does not want Christians shrinking from adversity. He doesn't want us shrinking from challenges. He wants us to endure these things so that we can get everything that he has promised us. Because the Bible says that all of God's promises are to those, he, those who endure. Verse 37, I told you, there's promises. When you read the Bible, look for promises. There's also questions. Look for questions, commands. Verse 37 says, for in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. Now, I hear preachers say stuff like, here's a real church word for you, tarry, if the Lord tarries. Well, if you do a Google search on the word tarry, where the Bible uses the word tarry in the King James Version, it says that one who comes will come and shall not tarry. So to say if the Lord tarries, the Bible's already said he won't tarry, and in verse 37 the Bible says "For just in just a little while the coming one will come and not delay. See, it feels to me like he's tarrying. It feels to me like he's delaying his return. He's not delaying his return. He's going to come back at the very time he's determined to come back. He's already got a moment written down. And that's the moment he's going to come back. That's when he's going to get us out of this whole mess. And there's nothing that's going to stop that. He's not going to delay his return. And the scripture says, for in just a little while. Man, Amy Grant sang a beautiful, many beautiful songs in the 80s. She sang a song that said, in a little while we'll be with the Father. Can't you see him smile? If we could just live in that mind frame, in a little while I'm going to be in heaven. It's not going to be like this. It's going to be better. He's going to come one day, and you need to live in that awareness. If you will remember what it was like in the early days of Christianity if you will confidently hold on to your trust in the Lord, if you will patiently endure whatever adversity you go through while you continue to serve the Lord, if you will live with an awareness that I know the one who's coming back and I know it's going to be just a little while. Verse 38 says, and my righteous ones will live by faith. That's a statement of fact. God says my righteous ones will live by faith. You are designed by God to live by faith. And that means believing in stuff you can't see. Believing when it doesn't make sense. Believing when you can't explain it. Believing when you wish it was some other way. We are called to live by faith. And the second part of verse 38, man, I wish this was on the screen. It says, but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. That's the word of the Lord. God said, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Now, see, there's a, group of believers, there's a group of Christians out there that think that it's possible to get saved and to walk away from salvation and not be a Christian anymore. Well, if that theory was true, then there's real problems because in Hebrews 6, it, it's opposing that theology by saying if it were possible, that ought to let you know that the writer doesn't believe it's possible. But in Hebrews 6, it says, if it were possible for those who were once saved to stop being saved, it would be impossible for them to ever get saved again. Okay, so that whole theology is bad. You don't get saved and then fall away. And then Jesus say, I can't let you in because I used to know you, but then I stopped knowing you. The ones that he doesn't let in, he say, depart from me, I never knew you. But God says that I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. You want to know what turning away tells God and every real Christian about the people who turn away? They never were truly Christians. They were religious. They had church. They turned over a new leaf, but they did not have true Holy Ghost born again salvation. Because the Bible says in 1 John, they went out from us because they were not part of us. For if they had been part of us, they would have no doubt continued with us, but they went out from us that it might be made manifest that they were never part of us. Somebody, teacher, preacher, singer, church person, whatever, used to be in church serving God, now they tell you, I ain't into that no more? No, in your Holy Ghost mind, they never were into it. They just thought they were. But they never had real salvation. They left God. To prove they were never part of God. That's what the scripture says. God says, I don't, have, I don't take, I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. If you can turn away from God, it's proof positive you were never saved to begin with. Why? Because those are the saved, hold on. Some of y'all could testify tonight that you've held on to your faith through some trying times. You've held on to your faith through some times that you wanted to quit. You've held on to your faith in some times where people around you told you, ah, you just ought to give up. What well, Job's wife tell him? Cuss God and die. This ain't working out for you. And if you look at it on one hand, you think you held on to God and, and, and stayed with God. But if you look at it through mature Christianity, you realize God held on to you and wouldn't let you go. The Bible says God knows how to keep those who are his. Paul said, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's why God said, I take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Verse 39 says, but we. See a difference? There's a group that turns away, but the very next verse says, but we are not like those who turn away. And this is the point I want you to get tonight. If you're a real Christian, you are not like those who turn away. This is what the word says. We are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. If you can turn away from God, that's proof against your salvation. We are saved. We're not that crowd. And that's why when Jesus in John chapter 6, after having done miracles and having crowds, by the hundreds following him, and they all left, once he started telling them that you're going to have to follow me through hardship, they're like, ah, we ain't signed up for that. We just came for the food. Where's the pizza? And Jesus looked around, and there was only a handful of people left, and he asked his twelve, y'all going to leave too? And Peter said, there ain't nowhere else for us to go. Because we believe, and we are sure that you're the only one who has the words of eternal life. That's a real Christian. Where are you going to go? What, what, what other religion you want to check out? Nowhere else is going to get you to heaven. Nowhere else is going to keep you out of hell. And nowhere else is going to give you peace. But God, we are not like those who turn away from God. The last sentence in verse 39 says, we are the faithful ones. Come. That ought to be your mantra. We are the faithful ones. Now, America embraced a song, <laughs> and because you know people like the 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 bump, but don't listen to the lyrics as good as they should, and that's just not new to this generation. There was a song that came out in the seventies, popular in the eighties, and a lot of sports teams embraced it. Um, we are the champions. Y'all remember that? You remember that, Joyce? Um, And it was boom, boom, cha, boom, boom, cha. And you hear that played in stadiums now. But they don't listen to the words that Freddie Mercury was saying, who was one of the first homosexuals to come out publicly. Buddy, you're a boy, make a big noise, playing in the street, going to take on the world someday. Got blood on your face, your big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. It was about gay rights and queers marching in the streets with banners who were getting beaten at the time. So next time you're in a stadium and they're playing, we are the champions, my friends, and we'll keep on fighting till the end, that was the beginning of the gay rights. We're here, we're queer, and we ain't going nowhere. And Freddie Mercury wrote a song to say we're the champions. And the rest of the world was saying, you're a big disgrace, waving your banner all over the place. But they had a mantra, and it survives today, even in sports stadiums around the world. We are the champions. People like, they like to feel part of something that is a winner. Well, that's not the crowd I want to associate with in regard to winning, because I don't consider that winning. But I do want to associate with Hebrews Hebrews 10.39. Where the writer of the book of Hebrews says, we are the faithful ones. You need to tell yourself that every day. I'm not like the ones that quit. I'm faithful. I'm not part of that punk crowd. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not fainting in the day of adversity. I'm not giving up because it's hard. Why? Because God doesn't take pleasure in anybody who turns away. And we are not Like those, verse 39 says, we are the faithful ones. And the last half of that sentence says, whose souls will be saved. You know who's saved? Faithful people who don't turn away in times of adversity. Because all God's promises are to those who endure. I'm going to skip through a bunch of this stuff. I'm not going to teach the last half of this, but I do want to pick out one verse. Out of Philippians chapter 1. Because this is a process that I've taught our leadership through the years. And I want to give you this one lesson tonight before we go. In Philippians 128. It's talking in a very similar reference about going through adversity. Dealing with opposition. Philippians 128. Paul said to the Christians... In the city of Philippi, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. (laughs) They were lining these people up and beating them. They were pulling them out of houses and killing them. They were taking mama, daddy, husband, wife, children away from them and lynching them. God inspires Paul to say, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. And then he goes on to say, this will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed. And here is what I want you to get. When the devil pushes on you, you need to push back. When the devil pushes on you, you can either be a punk and you can draw back. Or you can be a Christian and you can push back. Most people draw back. See, this is what I've always tried to do in my walk with Christ. Whatever area the devil attacks me in, I go harder in that area. You'll make prayer hard, I'll give an extra hour a day to pray. You want to make my Bible study hard, I'll give an extra hour a day to study the Bible. You want to jack my finances up, I'll give everything I have away to the church and we'll all be broke together. You want you push, I'll push back. I have four checks in my pocket right now. One, two, three, four. That's my last four weeks paycheck from my job at the church. The money has been so low at the church, I'm not always able to cash my check. It hasn't gotten there this week. But you know what I decided? You want to jack up the finances of the church? You want to make it to where I got to worry about whether or not I can get a check? I just won't even cash them. Because whatever area of attack the devil puts at me, I'm going to push back in that area. And I promise you, if you will learn how to push back and not draw back, you will learn how to have victory in your walk now some of y'all need to give some money to the church so the preacher can cash his checks i got two boys that need clothes and 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 need to see the dentist i got no insurance so keep that in mind i'm 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 believing god to cash these checks soon but i am not going out soft about you stacy going out soft for anything and no level, no game. You, it, it, I don't care. You and you're not beating me in spades easy. You're not, you're not beating me. There's, no, there's nothing I'm going down soft in. If I go down, you can believe I'm going to go down swinging. I'm getting mine in. And you need to get yours in as a Christian. Why? Because the Bible says we're not like those who draw back. We don't back up. We are the champions. We are the faithful ones. We're the ones who put our neck out there. Movie reference, and I'm done. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Kevin Costner, one of the greatest movies you'll ever see. Kevin Costner, Morgan Freeman. Beginning of the movie, it's the, it's the Holy Wars that are going on. Britain has invaded and they're captured. They're in this dungeon and they're cutting hands off people. And so they have one man hold them down by the chopping block, and they wrap a rope around the other guy's hand, and the guy pulls the, the rope, and then the other guy swings the sword and chops their arm off. Kevin Costner gets there. They go to tie his hand up, and he pushes the rope out of the way. And they're mocking him for being English. He said, I'll show you English courage. He just put his hand down on the block did nobody need to hold him. Didn't nobody need to tie his hand down there, wait on the dude. Now, he was messing with him. He just didn't want his hand tied when he went to yoke that dude in the mouth. But he was not drawing back. Why? Because he was in it to win it. We need to be the type people that have no plan B, no backup plan, Nowhere other than Jesus to go. Listen, you want to go to a different church, that's fine. People ask me, well, Pastor Scott, what do you think about so-and-so leaving the church? It wouldn't burden me a bit. If someone left this church and went somewhere else and got actively involved in ministry and loving God, loving people, serving God, if they were learning more than they'd ever learned and and loving God more than they ever loved God, I'd be excited for But you know, that's not the story of most people who leave a church. They don't leave a church and then just shoot off into spirituality. They go into decline. We are not the kind to back up. Verse 28 says, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Philippians 1:28. Kevin Costner was not intimidated by them, and he was able to beat them. Why? Because this is a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed. When the world starts pushing on you, just let them know, you're not fading me. I'm on the winning side. You're on the losing side. Even when it looks like you're losing, you're still on the winning side. You just got to hold your head up till all the chips are counted. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed and that you're going to be saved. If you know that God is going to rescue you from this planet one day, Don't ever be intimidated by your enemies, your adversaries. Don't let people make you shrink about your faith. One advertiser said it this way, never let them see you sweat. Why would we let them see us sweat? They're the ones dying and going to hell. Why, why would we let the devil think he's got us on the run? He's the one going to be in hell forever. We're going to be in heaven rejoicing with God forever. What are we sweating over? We need to have that Hebrew mentality. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego told the king. They're about to throw him in the furnace. He's expecting them to be all whiny and scared, and they're just like head up, chest out. What? That's the furnace? We heat it up seven times hotter than normal? Good. And he looked at them, and they said, be it known to you this day. That our God is able to deliver us from going in that fire. But if he doesn't deliver us from going in that fire, he will deliver us to himself through that fire. And then they said this. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down to you. (laughs) That's my kind of dude right there. That's my kind of dude. They told him, I might not even have to go in that fire. But if I do go in that fire, God's going to get me to heaven. But even if he won't, I ain't cowing down to you. Don't be intimidated by losers. Don't have small strength in your day of adversity. Don't ever let them see you sweat. We are not the type that draw back. We're the type that push back. Your faith gets weak, push forward in your faith. Your finances get weak, push forward in your finance. Your relationships get weak, push forward in your relationships. Your health gets weak, push forward into better health. Wherever your attack is, where you need to do the work. A smart statistician, somebody who really knows how to fight a war, if the war is raging in our admin building and it's raging in the fellowship hall, and it's going about the same, then we still keep going. But if it really starts getting attacked on the admin building, we're going to put special emphasis on the admin building, send more troops over there. We're going to f- drop heavy artillery, fire for effect, and just bomb them to death in the area of greatest attack. Why? Because we're not the type to draw back. This is the word of the Lord. We're not the type to draw back in the middle of a fight. We're the type that push ahead. And we don't let them see us sweat. And we don't let them think that we're intimidated because we know we win. So whatever it is that is pushing against you, push back on it. Whatever it is, if you find yourself being less holy than you should be, push back with more holiness. If you find yourself being more broke than you then you need to be, give more money away. If you find yourself... Having less health, concentrate more. Concentrate on the area that you're getting pushed on by doing greater effort in response to it. Because the enemy wants to just push you a little bit and you fall down and moan and groan. But God doesn't want you to be intimidated by anybody. Because you know that the God who made everything lives inside you and he's on your side. And if God is for us, we should not be worried about what else is coming our way. Don't draw back. Push back. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and your grace and your goodness. God, help us to apply what we've heard for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening